I do want to leave with this, guys. You know, this atmosphere tonight was incredible. I thought with college football, you think about our players and our fan base. This will be a game they talk about for a long time, a special trip uh, for our players to end it the right way and for our fan base to come out. You know, I want to say thanks to the fans because they were really behind us and backed us, and I thought it was a big momentum swing in the game. Thanks and go dogs. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Georgia fans have traveled in incredible numbers for this experience. It's the first time the dogs have played north of the Mason-Dixon line since they went to Ann Arbor to play Michigan in 1965. So more than a half century since Georgia's come this far north. Before we get to Georgia and Notre Dame, an interesting scene at Wrigley Field. Take a listen. Yeah, all the Georgia fans are there for they felt travel, like, man. They travel, man. Felt like see. Athens North. Let's talk about the awesome Georgia Notre Dame game. We just watched it. At the Wiley House, um, it's at least 85 degrees in here. The thermostat is set on 67, but we have been generating some serious heat. <laughs> We're all sweating. Uh, it was a very tense and well-fought game, I thought. We got Stevie and Vet Trish here again. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? I love winning. It's just like Mr. Sheen said, winning. I love it. It feels so good. Trish, give your input, and then I'll start from the beginning, even pre-game, and I'll give you my analysis. I am glad we won after a heart attack, almost. I was pretty sure we were going to lose in those last two minutes, but we made it through and <laughs> made my heart stop. But Yes, we, we were all very nervous and jumping around, and Cash had two heart attacks as well as we were screaming <laughs> yeah, at him. For, for me screaming, But he laid in yes. the floor the whole time. He's a good dog. I think Trisha put it best when she's saying, I was pretty sure we were going to lose. I was going to have a heart attack. That's just the way the Georgia fan base, I think, has been. It's just natural to you want us to win, but you just got to you got to put yourself on a level where, you're, where you got to be ready to lose. We got to get past that. This is a great victory for our Georgia Bulldogs. Went to Notre Dame. Haven't played them since 1980. As long How as about we... all that red? Yeah. In their stadium. A whole bunch of red. I mean, on TV, it was amazing. I mean, the whole three quarters red and black and one quarter blue and green. Awesome. Just awesome. It was awesome. It was, it was great all the way around. I uh, will say that, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat watching uh, after hearing Carrie say that Notre Dame had the most mundane, old-fashioned scoreboard ever, that now they bumped up to a uh, jumbotron. Yeah, it looked like an actual stadium there tonight instead of, where did we play in Shamrock? What was the name of that stadium? Adams. Adams Adam Stadium. Very similar <laughs> to Adams Stadium. <laughs> well, it's good to see a little bump up. Although, we'll say this. our Dragons. Go Dragons. Uh, yeah, good all the way around. I mean, uh, you know, I was a little nervous there with the penalty, penalties that we had. I mean, Ridiculous. You, it, it's almost like the SEC refs were compensating for officiating a Georgia game and just would say, all right, sir, you have – Sir. Sir, your cleats are untied. 
That is a 15-yard penalty because you tripped and you grabbed someone in the face mask. Although, we were not very disciplined, but... Oh, my God. Did we teach tackling this week uh, by grabbing by the face or head? Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> my God. Yards worth. Yeah, 126 yards worth. Yeah, 126 yards And that was these. by the third quarter. Yeah. I think there may have been more. Quit grabbing by the face mask. Oh, no doubt. We should grab the guy's face mask, which I guess everybody on the team decided to do once. They had that called four times in their game last week. So maybe they're off the line face mask got maggots in them. I don't know. <laughs> we keep grabbing. Stop reading your notes. Yeah. This is why we said it takes away the spontaneity. This is so spontaneous. And another note I have about three quarters of the way down that says carry equals ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a given. You had to make a note of that? Yeah, I mean, you've not known that for 35 years. By the way, the uh, one observation I have is the Notre Dame defender. His name, one of his names is uh, Stud still. It's the second greatest male porn name next to Jackson Hole. <laughs> is that the end of the notes? That's the end that of the notes. There is no continuity in any of the notes. <laughs> we see why. You repeated third grade. We're still on the third grade thing. Come on now. You can't now. escape it. I'm not a smart man. So, Carrie, you had plans to go to Notre Dame. I did. I actually paid for a room, but got nothing out of it. Well, you're with friends, as you would be at Notre Dame. Obviously, a victory is tough to miss, but how was the night for you? Nowhere I'd rather be than right here. This was awesome. Celebrated in style and watched the game, and we all stood arm in arm and saw our victorious dogs. I think we all feel fantastic. I totally agree. Yeah, I'd like to say that history is highly overrated. The persona and the ambiance, if you will, of Notre Dame is very highly overrated. But I will say, as I see them running onto the field and running out of their locker room, and you just go, wow, there's a lot behind that team. And Mm -hmm. granted, it is history. But when they're sitting there, play like it, they're hitting the sign that says, play like a champion now. Mm -hmm. Today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now and today, whatever, whatever. I'm not a smart man. Carrie gets lost in these things called words. You know, it can be intimidating, and I'm glad we weren't intimidated. We we stepped up. Well, and you think about Kirby Smart, the first thing you think of, or at least I do, is him coming from Alabama 12 years as defensive coordinator, and you would expect him to have a great defense. And last year was good, and I know we've only played two games, but, man, they look fast. They look big. It was very hard for any offense to penetrate us. We did a lot of penetration. We did a lot of penetration. And that's it's penetration's always, always a good thing. Go dogs. Go dogs. absolutely. Yeah, we're on our way to uh I think I predicted 7 and 5. I think we um we got after today I I would revise my prediction. Okay, let's not go crazy. I'm just okay, saying, brother. What did I say? 8 and 4. 8 and 4. You did. So we're right there. Yeah. We're getting we're you know, kind of get a steamroll going, a little snowball action. Well, we were 3 and 0, right, to start the season last year? Yes. Yeah, we were 3 and 0 into Ole Miss and just got crushed. Yep was 42 to nothing in the third quarter. But I don't think this defense will let that happen. Yeah, the Georgia either. defense is early on, but this defense is neck. it's as good as Stout. I can remember our yeah. defense being. Like the Brian Van Gorder days, which ironically his son played for Notre Dame, we That's beat true. him. What did you think Van Gorder's son wearing a Notre Dame hat but it was red and black? I know. All of their people on the sideline were had red and black hats. That was really stupid. It was stupid, but you know what? We'll take it. They saw something coming. They did. <laughs> it was the Red and black. They just wanted to blend in. Red, white, 
I guess they prevented us from storming the field. I would think those 30,000-plus yeah. Georgia fans probably wanted to storm the field. You know what? We acted sweet. like we'd been there before. Well, I personally stormed the field at Clemson one year, and I had a baggie of orange grass, so I can't really say I'm above that. Oh, I mm-hmm. the big granite Georgia Bulldog? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually rode that granite Georgia Bulldog when we beat Tennessee, I believe, in 99. It was the first time we'd beaten Tennessee in yes. like 15 years in Athens. And uh, Yes, I carried the goalpost downtown or straight up Sanford Drive. Now look going, <laughs> if we ever have to store in the field just because we beat Tennessee, every fan should be flogged yeah. and kicked yeah. in the you-know-whats. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff. All righty, go dogs. Go, go dogs. Walker, University of Georgia, College Football Hall of Fame, 1982 Heisman Trophy winner. Well, when Hirsch was growing up, his favorite food was peas. He liked, liked peas. Is that right? Yes, I thought he would never get enough of peas. <laughs> Gotta be Walker. Touchdown! Look at it on paper. They was faster. They were bigger. Well, we were prettier. But nine out of ten times, we may not have beat them. But at one time, we did. And that's when it counted. You have a Georgia team that's young, hungry, and for them to be considered one of the best in the SEC, you got to start tonight against Notre Dame. We're talking with uh, Shabin. He was up there on the hallowed grounds of Notre Dame. And uh, just tell us what it was like being on site. It was awesome. That was one of the that was one of the coolest campuses I've ever been on. Beautiful. And the people were like the nicest people you've ever met in your life. It's like... Uh, Midwest hospitality puts Southern hospitality to shame, I would say. Obviously, you've made a ton of changes, changed the culture, everything. But obviously, you lost in, at the very end, kind of like last year, seven of eight losses. How do you what, what's the question? What's the I'm question? getting to it. Uh, we'll do, get to the question. How do you keep this from snowballing? It's like not going to snowball. Year? Next question. Well, what is what exactly will be different, I, I guess? There's nothing different. I, I go to work every day, and I coach my football team. Okay. Is that is that good enough for you? Yes, I was just asking about the how it, it was different from last year's losing by one possession. Okay. And tonight was also like that, so I was just wondering. Losing by one possession? Yes. No, it was one point. Okay. Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That was the, the most pleasant visiting team experience that I've ever had. Everybody was just, like, so happy to be there. They have all – Notre Dame has this, this – I don't know if – I guess they're volunteers, but there's about – a thousand, I would say, mature gentlemen in lime green coats walking around everywhere, ready to tell you where you should go and what you should go see and how to get there and welcome you to Notre Dame and answer any question you could ever ask about Notre Dame. And then all the fans were pretty much the exact same, except they weren't wearing the coats. Now it's time for an old Georgia Boys exclusive interview. 
We've got a true Notre Dame fan, a, a grizzled veteran straight from Ireland, Patches O'Houlihan. Patches, uh, this year, Notre Dame updated the hallowed stadium. They put in a jumbotron. We got club seats, a terrace level. I know you're a traditionalist. Um, do you think these upgrades to bring your stadium out of the 1950s was really necessary? Necessary? Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No. But I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. Some of the most famous Notre Dame players from recent history are guys like Joe Montana, Tim Brown, Rocket Ishmael. These are not exactly traditional Irish players. But now you've got a uh, preseason All-American left tackle named McGlinchey. He sounds like a good Irish lad that you can uh, be proud of. You got any words of wisdom you'd like to pass on to your countrymen? You want to have dodgeball victory, you got to grab it by its haunches and you got to pump it into submission. That's the only way. Great advice, Patches. I'd like to thank you for your time and hospitality. Everyone in South Bend has just bent over backwards for the dog fans this week, and uh, we just really appreciate it. Got some hookers in my room. What do you say we go celebrate my treat? No, thanks. I'm good. Suit yourself, queer. <laughs> so you had your own concierge service and green coats? Everywhere, yeah, everywhere you went, we were talking about that, that would, we should implement that at Georgia because it was just like the nicest, they were the nicest people you ever met. We had one old lady come up to us and we were kind of standing there. I guess we looked lost and she came up and asked us if we wanted to sit at her table. She was about 80 years old. She said, would you like would you like to take my seat? And I, I would have felt really bad taking her seat, but she was so nice. And she said she was so thankful to have us there. And she just really enjoyed seeing all of us. And she wished us the best of luck in the game. In the game. And I just felt bad because I felt like probably in a couple of hours after all the drunk Georgia fans were leaving the stadium with a victory, people were going to be barking in her face and... <laughs> <laughs> screaming at her but it was it, it, the people there were just awesome that's really good I'd, I'd like to get a sound clip of some georgia guy going and just barking right in that old lady's face that would have been sweet <laughs> i'm almost certain that that happened at some point because we, we commented the whole time about how if if it was the opposite which it will be in two years that there is absolutely no way Georgia fans are going to be saying Notre Dame fans, oh, we're so happy that you're here. We wish you the best of luck in the game today. You're so happy for these fans. You know, we brought 40,000-something fans down here, and these guys are awesome. <laughs> that's, that's what I usually do. I don't know what you do. When I see visitors coming into Athens, I welcome them and hope they have a great time and wish them all the best. <laughs> I didn't get the, the feeling that Georgia fans were uh, – reciprocating but uh it was it was awesome they were they were they were really cool folks yeah it was not a it was not a pretty game to watch but um it's definitely like you you texted me that's a game that we usually lose yeah yeah we uh we were talking about that and Wes and I were talking about that the whole game was like this is just one of those ugly games that we figure out a way to lose and we obviously tried to do that I mean during the game, I just kind of was going through all the mistakes we made. I mean, we had a touchdown call back on a penalty. We had, you know, obviously interception, missed field goal, a fumble. We had 100 yards and penalties. I mean, we tried every way you could to, to lose the game on stupid mistakes. I will say our defense was, was to me, just the, the highlight of the game. 
I mean, Roquan Smith, <laughs> when he must have called his name the first 15, 20 plays of the game, he was in, he was just all over the field. But, yeah, our defense was, was quite solid. It was pretty good. It was fun to watch that. Like, he was number seven, and, like, the, the top of the seven, which, you know, goes straight across his chest, we must have buried our helmet in that line at least ten times. <laughs> yeah, that, that was awesome. That, that was great. Were the uh, were the personal fouls? I mean, you know, sitting in the stadium, you really couldn't couldn't see, you know, the hands to the face and the, you know, the the personal fouls and stuff that they got they got called. But it seemed like uh, about every other play in the first quarter, we had a personal foul against us. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I mean, it seems like everybody on defense had a face mask call, but it was just blatant. I mean, like Dominic Sanders, he got called for I think two. But he could have been called for five. I mean, every time he went to tackle somebody, he just he just decided to put his hand right in their face first, and then he'd go and tra- tackle from there. Hmm. I guess this is the uh, result of never practicing tackling and in, in, uh, in practice during the week anymore. But yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was very frustrating when you know you'd hold them and then they'd get a first down on a penalty every every other play, and then it well to, the other one on the on the kickoff return it didn't look to me like the block that was the illegal block was even necessary to to spring him for the touchdown. Yeah, it wasn't necessary, and it was a very very nitpicky call too. I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. like nothing. I thought the uh, officiating was just an absolute embarrassment. They were a SEC uh, group, you know. They mentioned that several times. I guess they wanted to cover themselves in case there was some bad calls. It was just embarrassing on both sides. I mean, they had that call against us, but then there were a couple of pass interference calls um, that they should have gotten that they didn't. And then I don't know if y'all could tell from the stands, but that one where they were returning a kickoff, we tackled him, and then he just got up and kept running, and they called it a touchdown. I mean, that was just ridiculously stupid. I mean, he he was clearly down. I mean, his knee never hit, but he was like both elbows. He crawled for a couple of feet. I mean, it was just. I mean, it's embarrassing that they could let that go. Yeah, we could we couldn't tell what happened. You know, it was going away from us on the other end, so we couldn't exactly tell what happened. But but uh, once they showed the replay on the big board, that's kind of what everybody in the stands was saying. Guys, obviously down. What what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, and then there yeah. was another one where um, it was third and like seven, and um, they ran a bootleg. He didn't end up getting the first down, but their tackle just ran out and tackled Roquan Smith from behind. I mean, just grabbed him, slid down his legs, and grabbed both his legs and tackled him and they didn't call holding <laughs> i think that was the only way that they could block roquan smith though because he was all over the field I, I was uh he was by far my my defensive mvp i guess until the end when bellamy just came around the corner well i uh, will tell you something that was really awesome was the there was there was actually like a, a younger Notre Dame fan sitting like two or three seats over from us and he had obviously had a few too many and so he was being really obnoxious at the beginning of the game. Awesome. And so one of his go to sayings was that I guess supposedly I don't hear on the commentary, but I guess supposedly Notre Dame has two uh NFL caliber offensive linemen. And so he wanted to keep pointing that out every time, like they got some yardage or something like that. And he's like, "Yeah, NFL offensive line." 
<laughs> so he just kept yelling that out. And then by the end of the game, when we were in their backfield, every single play, he 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 was kept going, "We got two NFL offensive linemen. What is going on?" <laughs> and then on the last play, when Bellamy went around the guy like he was not even <laughs> there, yeah, full speed, you know, he just buried his hands in his head, and he, uh, it was so funny because he had just been talking about these two NFL offensive linemen <laughs> the whole. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I had that. Uh, that's uh, McGlinchey, who was uh, a preseason All American. So if that guy's an All American, um, he's not anymore because he was dominated. So the other thing was the, uh, and I'm sure you can see it on TV, was the fourth quarter when we did the fourth quarter uh, thing that you hate and with the flashlights and oh yeah, but all that. now that they've and, added the <laughs> flashlights, it's got to be better. Oh man, it, it looked it looked it definitely looked like a Georgia game. And, and what was funny was the Notre Dame fans, <laughs> the old people sitting behind me, they didn't know what was going on. They're like, "Hey, what is this new thing we're doing?" The flashlights. They pulled out their <laughs> and started doing it too because they just thought it was a new Notre Dame tradition. Because there were so many Georgia fans in the stands, and everybody was doing it. It was awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> So half, even though there was a ton of Georgia fans, half the flashlights were Notre Dame fans who were just confused thinking that there was some new Notre Dame tradition that they weren't doing. So they're very polite and nice, and they're also not that bright? Yeah, that would be my synopsis, I would say. <laughs> Definitely. Good stuff. So what were you saying about Lorenzo Carter? I know he's not your favorite uh, guy, but he was he was a beast, man. He, was, he had a couple of those strip uh sacks and then the one where he the first fumble he caused on the replay i mean he like jumps over a guy tackles the guy and then rips the ball out while he's going down i mean he he was like he knew there were scouts watching i think he wants to be the top five pick I guess I guess Lorenzo Carter for me suffers from just complete over expectation is is the problem because you know when we go up to the coaches camp and you stand next to him and and he's literally chiseled out of stone I mean just looks like carved out of stone and made in a factory or something you just expect that guy to be just incredible and if you watch him I would say about fifty percent of the plays. He literally just gets stuffed at the line and just stands there. And he's supposed to be getting around people and making plays. Um, but I, on the other hand, I will say, uh, you know, he had a couple of incredible plays in that game, including that one, you know, where he sacked the quarterback and stripped the ball and got the fumble recovery at the same time. So you can't you can't complain too much about him. I just uh, I just feel like he hasn't quite lived up to my expectation of what a robotic football player created in a lab should do on every single play. During the game, what was your feel? I mean, I know we're as Georgia hardened Georgia fans, we expect the worst. I don't know. Watching it, I I just I kind of had a confidence about it. It seemed like I mean, it reminded me a lot of watching Alabama LSU games where Saban's just kind of sitting there. I mean, he it's like he already knows what's going to happen in the end, so he's just kind of you know tr- letting the time go by, and he knows he's got something up his sleeve. So I don't know. I just I felt pretty confident during the game even though I was nervous, of course, but I don't know. It was a different feel for me. What, what was it like actually being there? Um, I would say it was, it was it was different than what you felt because I was still feeling the kind of the typical Georgia forlornness where I just felt like, man, we've outplayed these guys. We've, to me, obviously got better talent, I think, you know, across the board, and we should beat these guys, but we're just – kicking ourselves in the rear end and making mistakes and we're going to find a way to end up losing a game that we 
that we should have dominated. I mean, if you think about it, we had we had a kickoff return that was almost a touchdown, probably would end up being a touchdown, called back. So that's, you know, seven points we lost. We had an a easy pick six, or at least it looked like for me, that we just dropped. Yeah, that was um, pretty bad. So we was, had two of those, actually. Yeah, so that was a, that was another potential touchdown. I mean, you know, we 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 make those plays. We probably win that game by you know fourteen points, maybe seventeen, something like that. But you know, to me, kind of typical Georgia fashion, we don't make those plays. We make penalties. We miss a field goal. You know, and now all of a sudden we're just scrapping it out, trying to essentially save ourselves. And I, you know, I don't know the the last drive. You you told me from TV it looked different, but from the stands, I was so can't even describe how upset I was when we got seven yards on first down we're driving we got we got the ball in our hands trying to put it away all we need is one first down to ice the game and we can't pick up three yards in the second or third second and third down and we end up having to punt the ball back to them I just knew they were going to drive that ball back down there and kick, kick the game-winning field goal after that. You know, we kind of went to the well too many times on that fullback dive. Yes, yeah, it seemed like they almost knew what the play was. Our offensive coach is not so great. Well, I'm not a football coach, but my my whole thing was, and, I, and it goes back to the Vanderbilt game last year, is like if, if, if you're sitting in, the coaches at some point during the season have got to be sitting around the table and saying, okay, if we need one yard, what are we going to do? If we had to get one yard, what are we going to do? And if I was a football coach, my first instinct would be, I'm going to give it to my best player. I'm going to give my best player the ball and give him a chance to get that one yard. And you go back to the Vanderbilt game, and you know we had Nick Chubb lead blocking for 112-pound Isaiah McKenzie on some sort of you know trick sweep play. You know, I guess I guess maybe the coaches are sitting around and saying we don't have the confidence in the offensive line to 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 get one yard, so we got to try to figure something out. But to me, you give the ball to Nick Chubb and you let him go get the three yards, and especially on third and one. You know, how how can that's, that's two years in a row we have the chance to ice the game and Nick Chubb didn't get the ball on either either play. Yep, I don't know. It's definitely definitely strange um i thought the same thing it was it's just weird it's like he refuses to give chubb the ball when we need it because earlier in the game when we were down there i think we ended up getting a field goal but it was the same thing it was third and two and we ran the wild dog thing or whatever with Nicole hardman as the the quarterback you know so once again yeah. you're running a 125 pound guy trying to get a yard why don't you give it to chubb <laughs> he's a beast yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I know he's not quite the same as he was, you know, a couple of years ago, but he's he's hard to tackle. He's a power runner. He's got good, you know, vision. Give him the ball. Let him, you know, if you want to do a toss sweep or if you want to just do a straight handoff, whatever. Say, all right, Nick, you know, put the game away. You're our you're our lead dog. Go get us a yard. Yep. I don't know why we refuse to refuse to do that, but at that point, I. <laughs> Wes and I literally are just putting our hands in our head and just going, God, I can't believe that we're going to end up losing this game because we can't get a yard. Yeah. But, you know, the great news and what I guess what good teams do is, uh, you know, the rest of the team picked up and defense saved us. So that was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. What can you say about the performance they put on tonight? Chopping wood, man. They just kept chopping. 
and did y'all stay after Our the game and sing with all the band and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, we stayed till the stadium was almost empty. We had awesome seats, too, by the way. I didn't tell you that. We uh, Our seats were literally on the railing of the Georgia entry exit tunnel. So when the dogs were lining up to run out on the field, we were leaning over the over the edge of the tunnel, looking down and yelling and screaming. And they were, you know, looking up and dancing and, and chanting and stuff. It was awesome. And when they ran in, it was kind of the same thing. We were all standing there and they were yelling at us and throwing their gloves and wristbands and stuff up into the into the crowd. It was really awesome. It was, you didn't you didn't want to leave because it was uh, it was that that cool of an experience. It was awesome. And they're gonna go sing glory glory to old Georgia over here in the south end of the stadium in South Bend as they enjoy a special night on this trip. Basking in the glow of victory. <laughs> yes, yes. Basking in the glow of victory. and We've had plenty enough games where we just sat and basked in the sorrow of defeat after, <laughs> after <laughs> finding a way to lose a game that we should have won. So when we pull it out, you definitely want to make sure you enjoy it. Yeah, it's good to actually hear the Georgia band play at the end of the game instead of having to listen to the Florida band or whoever else just beat us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it really sets us up to be undefeated going into Tennessee and, uh, you know, have an opportunity to make it a a really sweet season um, if we can figure out a way to to win some of the big games. So I'm excited. I'll tell you what I'm proud of. I'm proud of our fans. proud of the fact they, they came out and tons of them were here. The, the, the video shots I saw from Chicago before the game and the takeover when we got here, you know, that played a role in this game. That we never felt like it was so much of a road game. I mean, there was time our, our, our quarterback was able to go on his own cadence, which you don't usually get to do on the road. You definitely don't get to do on the road in the SEC. Fan base don't let you do that. We were able to go on ours, and I think a lot of it had to do with the red and black that was in the stadium. Sunset Strip, I don't want to feel the emptiness 
old Marquis with stupid bad hair. I don't wanna go to Sunset Strip. I don't wanna go to Sunset Strip. I don't wanna feel the emptiness. Old Marquis with stupid bad hair. I don't wanna go to Sunset Strip. Go to heaven. Go to hell. 